welcome to the show, Paul George, Adam Conk, talking art of living. So great to be back. Welcome to the show, Adam. Thank you, Paul. Welcome <laughs> to you as well. And to all those listening, man, how are you? I'm, I'm great. It's continuing the Easter season, which is always full of sugar at my house, which is a blast. But somehow we all get sicker during Easter. I guess all the sugars we weren't eating during Lent. It's all the sugars. Drag us down. I don't it's know. It's all the allergies. Ah, uh, that could be it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, yeah, we still have Easter baskets at our house, like candy. Mm-hmm. Like, like kids just take their basket, leave it in their room, and just continue to eat candy slowly. Heck, yeah. It's you know? wonderful. It's wonderful. How are you doing? So, I'm fine. Yeah, I mean, it's been, been crazy, you know? Mm-hmm. You've been all over the place. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I have been. And, um, you know, it's it's this time of year where... You know, lots going on. May's a busy month. Mm-hmm. You know, travel. Um, you know, stresses of life. You know, so what I really want to know is, have you seen this? You know, what did you say? That is so interesting. Oh, for real though. Yeah, I'm for real. So speaking of busy time, season of life, the ups and downs that that we all face. Adam, have you seen the the new Burger King ads <laughs> that are out there? Actually, yes. Like, it's, it's a take on the Happy Meal that, mm-hmm. you know, McDonald's does. And Burger King kind of flipped that on its head. And it's sort of like the unhappy meal right. campaign. <laughs> right. Basically, have you seen it? Yes. Yeah. It's, I don't know what to think about it. On, on the one side, I think it's pretty neat. You know, they're like, these are real meals. I think that's what they call them. Real yeah, meals. they call them real meals. And yeah. every meal has basically sort of like a name. That describes can't repeat on air. <laughs> like a feeling or an emotion <laughs> right. uh, to it, like an unhappy meal or a blue a, meal, I think is one. Um, um, a real meal. A real meal. Uh, There's a couple we can't say on air. A couple you can't <laughs> say on air, but they basically describe like real life feelings and emotions. Right. Because uh, things part, aren't just happy all the time. Yeah, I the think good that, part of that is yeah. like, yeah, yeah. And that's true. But on the other side, you know, having. Um, Packaged offerings at a fast food restaurant with names that you can't repeat on air. I don't know how good that is, hmm. but well, we have this tradition in our house sometimes playing around. So we we have one cupboard that's like literally full of coffee mugs. I mean, yes. we just collect coffee mugs, and then it's just like before we know it, we have. And even when the handle breaks, you keep them. So many coffee mm-hmm. mugs. Here's what I know about coffee mugs: is you get attached to certain mugs, right? That's true. Uh, so we have this we have this game we play um, where uh, you pick a coffee mug based on how you feel. Really? Yeah. How precious! And oh, so you're using that mug today. Using that it's like mug a mood today. ring. Certain, yeah, certain color or mm-hmm. uh, maybe there's a saying on it. So there's some with like great sayings or some with like you know, you know, I drink coffee when I'm sad or you know whatever it is. How exciting! Coffee makes me happy. And yeah. So you pick the mug based on how. How you feeling? A mood mug. A mood mug. I like it. So these these Burger King meals are like mood meals, basically. Yeah. Like how you're feeling, kind of you pick the meal. I just see myself in the drive-thru. How am I feeling today? You know what? I feel like that. I feel like that. <laughs> Which the flip side is like the reality is that like we're not always happy in a sense that we feel happy. We can feel mm-hmm. fulfilled and peaceful internally, but it's impossible in life to like always be happy because you know life is difficult you know we go through suffering up and downs mm-hmm. uh, anxiety stress even depression feelings of worry and pain 
you know, so, you know. At least there's meals now for you. <laughs> yeah, and the, and the goal really isn't to be happy all the time because that would be – there's nothing wrong with us when we feel dissatisfied or disappointed or disillusioned or depressed, you know. it That's where growth happens, mm-hmm. right? Like when I have to ask myself, like, why am I in this funk or why am I upset or why – and then – that conversation with the Lord and with ourselves can lead to me growing. If I was happy all the time, there'd be no problem to fix. Right. Right. There's nothing to think about. (laughs) Not only that, like, you know, we wouldn't even think about God a lot. Right. Like we wouldn't think about needing uh, grace and a relationship with God and, you know, insight and advice and prayer and sacraments. Like we wouldn't need, um, the, the Lord in our life. And, and that's the thing is that people go through life so many times, the ups and downs of life they feel, because mm-hmm. we all do, because we're human, with, without a connection with a God who can, who can be with you through those times, right? We, we don't need a, a meal to get us through our depression <laughs> or anxiety or worry or fear. What we need is grace, mm-hmm. you know? And even when it's difficult, we we have a guy that just walks through us, uh, walks through it with us, right? Yeah. Well, now, full disclosure, I've been accused more than once of being a guy who's happy all the time. Mm-hmm. I guess because people see a certain side of you or whatever. But I don't think it's that so much as I've been blessed w- to have examples in my life of people that, like, I don't think there's something wrong when I feel bad or when I'm going through a difficulty. You know what I mean? Like I'm not... The sky's not falling because of this moment or this I don't think God has abandoned me, and I don't think there's a problem with this experience. There's an opportunity with this experience that God is drawing me to something that I've learned by habit and mostly by example of others in my life who live this way to look for that opportunity and to look what God is trying to do in this moment that's difficult. Because look, raising seven kids, there are lots of difficult moments lots of stress lots of stress. lots of worry lots of fear. lots of worry i mean i don't i don't sleep right now half the yeah half the time because we have a you know we have a baby at home and we got older kids driving at night and you know in college and you know you you just as a parent like you don't sleep and when you don't sleep like the sky's falling Bad half the happen, time right yeah. you know and i i think you're right like a lot of times like we can we can really hyper focus in on this one moment or emotion and feel like the sky's falling or my life's falling apart or God's not with me or, you know, I don't have this or this isn't going well. And if we can really lean into Jesus in those moments and realize like, we're going to come out of it. Like there, there Mm -hmm. is the sun will, will come out again. The sun will rise on the situation again. we'll be able to see better and more clear. um, And, Instead of just like, you know, just making it worse by saying, you know, like, this is really, really, really defines my life, right? Right, and, and that's the funk that I think is always the temptation is that I, I treat this moment as a disaster and think of it that way. But what I'm really saying is, is that I'm a disaster. Right. You know, it's like, hmm. even if something has happened to me that wasn't my fault, it ruined me. Or like, e- either this is my fault and I'm inadequate and whatever, or it's not my fault, but now I'm ruined because of somebody else, which neither one of those are, those are never true. Right. That's not reality. That's never reality. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and 
I don't know who I'd be with without my faith, but I know that I rely on my faith a ton in those moments mm-hmm. to see reality as a good thing in any situation. Yeah. You know, and we've been, I've been through some tough situations, right? And it's not always been easy. And it's not like it feels good to have faith. Faith is not a feel good reality. Faith is, I don't know what else to do reality. Right. You know, I'm just, I'm, I'm sold that Jesus is who he says he is. And in any moment, he's always who he says he is. Right. And that's what I'm relying on, you know? This is why, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, the words of St. Paul just, you know, in, in this moment and what we're talking about when he says pray without ceasing. Mm-hmm. I don't think he was like in a really good moment when he said that in a sense of like, I think he was like out of this, this moment of like, no, 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 no. Like you don't understand. Like, like praying without ceasing is like literally talking to God, relying on him in every moment of your life, because there are moments where you're just like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to make this feeling go away. I don't, I don't know how to there, you know, what meal do I pick? Like, it's not going to solve my <laughs> issue. Like um, I'm human and, and God can enter into that circumstance and walk with me and praying without ceasing. He's just like, Lord, I need you right now. Like, Lord, mm-hmm. walk with me, right? Lord, I don't have the answer right now. And, uh, you know, I was, I was meeting with someone, we were talking and I was kind of getting some, some spiritual counsel and I was talking about fear. Um, and you know, fears of what's ahead fears of, you know, in, in my life, you know, we all have fears or mm-hmm. things come up, you know, Fears it's the unknown, right? Right. And he said this. He said, uh, turn your fear into questions. And when we turn our fear into questions and we aim them towards God, that's prayer. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you want me to do, Lord, in this moment? Lord, I don't know what's ahead, but how, how, how are you here with me? Or we turn our fears into questions, that turns into a conversation with God. And before we know it, we're kind of moving out of fear into trust, into faith, into hope. Mm-hmm. you know, into gratitude. And then we're forgetting about all the things that are falling apart. Well, I love that image because you ever been with somebody in a conversation, but like they weren't there, you know what I mean? Like yeah, you they, talk to someone, but their mind is yeah, somewhere else. Yeah, and absolutely. usually it's something they're worried about or fearful of or more interested in. But in my experience, it's been more that they're anxious about something and they're just kind of worried about that and not present. That's exactly how we are with God in our fear and anxiety is like full disclosure. <laughs> People have said that about me before. <laughs> like I'm talking to you and it looks like you're just staring <laughs> off into space. Full disclosure. But this is how we, we can be with God is that either our anxiety and our fears distract us because he's always present Absolutely. to us. That's the reality. He's always in the room. There's never a room we walk into where Christ is not there. Yep. He's always there. But we can be present to him in a distracted way. And we're no longer listening or following him. We're looking past. We're looking around above whatever. But then when we enter that dialogue, like you said, we take our fears and anxieties and it actually becomes the conversation. It becomes a way to link with him and to be present to him like he's present to us. And it, it, fear can be a distraction from his presence, but it could also be the means by which we bond to him in that moment. Yeah. I mean, I, I am guilty of like, someone talking to me and I'm like listening and I'm like into it. And then all of a sudden I start thinking about something else and I'm staring off in the space. I know it, it happens mm. to me all the time. And the, the reason is, is I'm thinking about something else Yeah, and it's usually a worry. It's usually like, right. Oh no. Uh, and, and then I just begin to like, my mind goes somewhere else. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think you're right. Like you're hitting on something is, 
not only to be present in the present moment, like there's nothing more important than this conversation that's happening with this person right now. But in my relationship with God, how often is he saying to me, I'm with you, mm-hmm. trust me, it's going to be okay, um, and he's talking, right? Mm-hmm. And he's looking me in the eye, and I'm staring like, yes, off Jesus. into yes, space. Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Yes. Because I start to worry, <laughs> I start to fear. And, you know, when when uh, when this when this guy s- said, turn your turn your fear into questions, it was like it brought my mind back to reality. Right. Oh, it's about a conversation, even if I don't have the answers to the questions. It's about looking Jesus back in the eye and say, well, Lord, what, what do you say about this? Mm-hmm. And it really kind of, it was like this moment of a breakthrough for me. Yeah, right? that's huge, yeah. Yeah, I remember reading in a writer, Father Luigi Giussani, he, he uh, said that, Catholic morality is nothing more than the art of staring Jesus in the face. Hmm. Yeah. And staying that way. And and yeah. And that's that's it. Stay in 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 that in <laughs> Staying that engaged moment, in, in that, that moment. In that gaze, G A Z E, you know. Right. Like like in that moment. Yeah, no, this is this is cool. Good, 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 good. I this like good, this. Good, 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 good. Yeah. So I mean Eat your meals, I guess. If you want, if you want to order one of those meals, go eat them. Get a mood mood coffee cup, a mood meal. Like there's certain thing about reality mm-hmm. of how I feel, how I'm doing. But the importance is the reality is to make Jesus a part of that reality, right? Right. Um, so not cr- make the reality of how you feel a non-reality by looking away from Jesus, right? But allowing Jesus to enter into your reality and move you to a better place. All right, look. Yeah. When we come back. We're going to talk about how to turn our fear into questions and 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 the biggest myth that's not a myth. Whoa. The biggest non-myth myth. Yeah. This is Paul and Adam talking Art of Living. We'll be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the health care problem. Are you paying too much for your health care cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show, Paul and Adam, talking Art of Living in this beautiful studio today. It is gorgeous And today. the reason is... It is nice in the studio. Yeah. The reason I say that is because we're having torrential rain floods. It's like Noah's Ark in Lafayette, in Louisiana, Louisiana, right? Yeah. It They're was like school like, closed. In Houston, too. It right? rains so much. I heard about like some, some places, yeah. school closes because it snows. Mm-hmm. There's volcanoes somewhere in the <laughs> somewhere, world. Somewhere, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I guess mosquito yeah. outbreaks <laughs> might close some. I don't know. Here, rain. Yes, flooding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. So the weather is beautiful in here, and uh, I might just stay in here all day because it feels like the sun's out. It's our little Noah's Ark. <laughs> yeah, we're going to float away. <laughs> we'll just do shows for life. <laughs> but no one will hear us because of the flood. That's right. So we are in the Easter season. Yes, Okay, Easter. so how long is the Easter season? Well, a lot of people don't realize it's the longest season of the liturgical calendar, other than ordinary time. Right. But it's uh, 50 days, whereas Lent was 40. Mm-hmm. But Lent, Easter does not feel as long as Lent, obviously. No, because Easter's happy. Lent <laughs> feels long. 
<laughs> so Easter's 50 days, and then that leads into Pentecost. Pentecost. That's right. Upcoming. So in the Easter season, uh, the, the readings focused on Book of Acts. Yes, very right. exciting. Um, and uh, so the Book of Acts really grabs me. I mean, like, I don't know why we don't read it more. Mm-hmm. And I'm not even talking about even liturgically or as a church. I'm talking about even personally, like reading the Book of Acts even more. I find this, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, <gasps> okay? In reading the Book of Acts really challenged about what the early church looked like. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we see this imagery of the disciples living in fear, and then all of a sudden, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through deep conviction, they move through that fear into really a life of, of mission out into the world preaching the gospel, right? Mm-hmm. The ability to turn their fears into questions, those questions of the Lord saying, I'm with you, I'll be with you to the end of the age. Them, that moving them forward into the streets. It's a real challenge as we read it. Yeah. And here's what I find, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. You challenge me on this thought. Goodness. And I find oftentimes we read the book of Acts as though it's some type of fairy tale or myth. It's sort of a storyboard of, you know, that didn't really happen. Mm-hmm. Right? And we kind of read it as that, and like, oh, that's kind of cool. It's kind of a cool story. Instead of reading it as like, no, that was the actual reality, historical reality, the reality of the early church and how the church commissioned and moved and how the Spirit of God moved, we kind of read it as sort of a myth and fairy tale. Yeah. And we don't really live it today, the book of Acts, in a lot of ways because because of that. We, we almost read Acts like it's revelation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it has more of a figurative meaning than a real one. Than a real one. Right. Am I wrong? No, I think you're right. I mean, part of the problem with having a church 2,000 years old, and I say problem not like Jesus doesn't have a solution, but part of the issue is that we can lose our identity over time, hmm. but we can always renew ourselves. And any renewal of any organization, whether it be a religious order or the church at large, has to go back to its source. Like that renew means to be new again. And so we're not going to be the Church of Acts, but our identity is contained in the Church of Acts. In other words, as we strive to be like Acts, we will be like who we're supposed to be now. But if we're not striving to renew ourselves like that, then we cannot become who we're supposed to become. And so there's this false dichotomy, I think, between tradition and, and new things or like traditional progressive. It's ridiculous because... Tradition, by its definition, is a living, ongoing reality. It's not in the past, you know? So when I say the tradition of Acts, I'm not talking about something that happened 2,000 years ago. I'm talking about something I've received. Tradition, to hand on, I've received Acts. See what I'm saying? Like, I've, I've received the church, the same church that was at that time. That's my church. And the way I'm going to live it out well is trying to live out what is contained in these these pages of scriptures, the church as it was, is it going to look the same? No. We have social media today. We have new challenges, whatever. So I, I shouldn't be trying to go backwards as but a But that's church. what you're saying is that, you know, oftentimes we look at tradition as something in the past. Tradition mm-hmm. is something that's brought into the present. Right. Like it's a present reality. Me, many people don't think of tradition that way. You say, oh, you're so traditional. What are you talking about? 
like tradition is bringing the past into present reality. And so when Jesus in the book of Acts is moving and the apostles are teaching and preaching, it's like that tradition needs to be a part of our tradition today in a present reality. Yeah, it might look differently, but I think oftentimes like people just kind of ignore acts. Like I don't really want to do that. Like that's scary for me. Like I don't want to go beyond my comfort zone. Like I, you know, I don't, you know, I just want to stay safe and comfortable but that's exactly what happened with the disciples. They were staying safe and comfortable. And Jesus said, this is not how I want you to live. Like, like the mission's out there, you know? Mm-hmm. So to live in fear uh, and, and to move past that is, is something as Christians we're all called to do. Which is why and we have church. the sacrament of confirmation. What is the sacrament of confirmation? What did they receive at Pentecost they didn't have before? They already had the Holy Spirit in a certain way. I mean, in a real way. They already had Jesus in their life. Like, what happened to them, really, right? What happened was the Holy Spirit overwhelmed them, overcame their fears, overcame their discouragement, overcame their own ideas about how things should be. Through the their prayers, because they prayed for the Holy Spirit, because Jesus told them to do that. And in their fear, in their whatever, they prayed that the promised Spirit would come. Their prayers were answered in an overwhelming way that overcame any block to the will of God in their life. And this is confirmation for us. It's an overwhelming experience of the Holy Spirit, or it should be, where we pray that God would overcome all of my fear, all of my discouragement, all of my blocks, all of my own ideas. I want the Lord to overcome everything that is blocking the will of God in my life by the power of the Spirit. And if we live that way, then confirmation is a real reality for us. You know, like that sacrament can overcome, the Spirit can overwhelm my life through the sacrament of confirmation. And we have to say yes, right? We have to say yes. We have I to mean, pray for we it. We receive the Holy Spirit at baptism, confirmation. You know, the church is a part, Jesus is a part of our life. Uh, but we also have to access, we have to, we have mm-hmm. to say yes, we have to... Um, give it the old thumbs up. I mean, we, ha- we have... <laughs> we have to beg for it. We take, so the apostles we take did. part in saying, yeah, I want... I want to be sent. I want mm-hmm. to, to overcome my fear. I want God to take over my life. I want to surrender to God's plan for my life. And, you know, I think, you know, I know that the disciples came to that point where they didn't, they knew that life behind the locked door wasn't the re- the reality that God wanted for them, but they didn't know how to do it. And as they turned their fears into questions, the Lord answered those prayers and said, you know, here's the Holy Spirit. And, you know, I want to go back to this because I think we read the book of Acts and we hear it and we're like, that's a nice story. Mm -hmm. That's a nice story. Like, I don't want to do that. (laughs) Like, I don't want to live that boldly. I don't want to, you know, like, I don't, yeah. I mean, and I think I don't even hear many teachers or preachers talking much about it. Yeah. And look, most of the writings of the New Testament is Acts on. Right, the letters. Yeah, it's a majority of the New Testament. Most of New Testament revelation is not the life of Jesus, actually. Right. I mean, that's the prize revelation is the Gospels, but most of it is how the early church lived. It's probably like that for a reason. Yeah, I mean, that's where we get most of our information, mm-hmm. you know, about the church, about the early church, how it lived and, and how it, quote-unquote, acted, you know, how it was commissioned and missioned and set up and what it's about and... You know, it's not a fairy tale. It's not a myth. We don't read the book of Acts as though it was 
it is revelation, which has a lot of this figurative meaning mm-hmm. and theological connections and, you know, things that even a lot of theologians are still trying to unpack. You know, Acts is historical, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it, it is it is a book that we know and written, you know, with with certain facts and 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 real moments that commissioned the church to live away. And there's some sad stories of some of the disciples being martyred. You know, um, Stephen, the first deacon, who began to preach the word and was stoned to death. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we 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 see that, and that's not a that's not a myth. He wasn't a myth mythological figure that uh, came up out of the ground and, you know, we're kind of, let's learn from him. This, this is a reality. And as you talked about tradition being also a present reality, I mean, in a lot of ways we're called to live as an Acts people, as a, mm-hmm. as a New Testament person. Like that's what we're called to live. And yeah, how does that look? What does it translate into these culture and time? I do know, I don't know all the answers to that, but I, I know what it doesn't look like. Yeah, It doesn't look like a life of fear where we're afraid to be who God made us to be. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's why God supplies saints in every age who live out the standard of how we should all be living. And these heroes that are canonized, if, if we all follow God's will, we wouldn't all be canonized. Like I don't, In that way, I don't mean we should all try to be canonized saints, right? Because God as a teaching tool, raises up people to be heroes of the faith. By definition, to do things that most aren't going to do. Yeah, so it's it's beyond but, our, our, right. a lot of people's capacity. But they're heroic to the extent of their work and their life, but not in the quality. In other words, what are they doing? They're following Jesus and being open to the Spirit in the way we're talking about. That should be everybody. Yeah. Like that's a healthy church, and you've talked about and mentioned this before. Is that when we when we become the person God wants us to be, that that's that's sainthood, you know, right. like that's that's the road to sainthood. And what I love about you know Acts on is that you see the reality of the church, like you you do, like the mm-hmm. like they put the hard times, the every the good things, the the uh, inspirational, you know, verses and the really difficult ones, you know, and I think there's. They they lived in reality. You see the reality of church. I don't. I think there's, you know, no greater disciple or apostle of the church that uh, that wanted a a mood meal than Saint Paul. <laughs> and he seemed like a moody person. I mean, he was a very moody person. Mm-hmm. You know, God used a very moody person, um, jagged edges, mm-hmm. thorn in the side. You know, and I bet every time he went through Burger King, he ordered a different mood <laughs> meal. Every morning he woke up, he probably had a different mood cup for his coffee. But he, what, what we learn from the New, New Testament and St. Paul is, you know, is he was able to allow God to use him for who he was, the reality for who he was, and move him forward, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, there's there was nothing wrong because... Now, did he sin? That he was human. we all sin. But that did not get in the way of his relationship to God and fulfilling God's plan for him. Right. um, In the way that we might allow if we say no and we quit looking at him. There have been other moody saints. I mean, St. Jerome, he was known to be cranky. Yeah. Right? So, anyway, I I guess... We all have different personalities, you know, different backgrounds and... 
you know, I think oftentimes we, we want to like, it's, it's like we look at Acts or we look at the disciples and like, well, they needed to clean up their life before Jesus sent them out. And, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, St. Paul, he's probably joking around about a thorn in his side or his moodiness. No, like that's the reality. Like, and God can take us for who we are. He does. And he can mold us and make us into the saint, the disciple that he wants us to be. Like, we don't have to have all these excuses or I have a past or I'm sinful or I'm broken or I'm shameful or I don't know what I'm doing. Is like, no, Jesus enters into that and moves us forward. And we're in this constant growth, yes, of holiness, of, of uh, reconciliation and mercy and love and joy. But even in our toughest moments, God is still there in that mood, right? Right. And that's what St. Paul says, you know, there's certain thorns on my side, like, that'll never leave. They're always there. I mean, a sense of suffering and pain that he was able to identify and say, yet God's still in it. Well, because as he says, our God's power is made perfect in our weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And so God leaves these thorns on our sides so that we not become too proud and we continue to depend on him. And the thing is... The greater our dependence, the stronger we are. The smaller we are, the bigger we are, mm. you know? And God, does, God is not interested in a bunch of really awesome, powerful people. You know what I'm saying? Like, like who can walk into any room and evangelize anybody and, like, you know what I mean? Has all their stuff together. Like, that's not God's project. God's project is to bring us all into the kingdom that he's prepared for us for all eternity and he privileges us. Part of that process is that we participate in bringing people into the kingdom. Like we participate in that plan, but it's his plan. You know, right. it's not our plan. No, absolutely. <laughs> and so it doesn't depend on our having all our stuff together or always being bubbly and happy and cheerful and all these things. It depends on our fidelity to him and his plan. And um, anyway, so I, I, I often meet people that feel so discouraged because they're not a certain way or right. they don't have a certain personality yep. or they whatever. And none of that gets in the way of the will of God. Hmm. None of it. Sin does. Like me saying no right. in a profound way gets in the way. And I could be a very happy, bubbly person that says no to Jesus constantly. Yep. I, I could be that. Yeah, and that, that's where we begin to stare off, as you were talking about. Like we begin to look at what other people are doing or what their gifts and who they are. We compare ourselves I was meeting with a young man the other day. He couldn't figure out what he wanted to do with his life. And what we began to unpack is that he was so focused on what other people were doing, that they had plans and certain gifts that he literally couldn't see past himself to think about what he wanted or what he could do, or the fact that the state of life that he was in was okay, Mm -hmm. right? Like God can be in that moment where you don't know what's ahead or you don't know what you're supposed to do or you, you don't know the future, uh, you don't know what degree you're supposed to get. Like you don't, you you can't predict four or five years down the road. And I think oftentimes, you know, we throw out a plan out there, but sometimes it's our plan. Yeah. You know, and not God's. And like, what is it? What if God just is going to show us the next step? That's okay, right? Mm-hmm. We don't have to look at everybody else and think, you know, I'm in despair. God's with me, right? Mm-hmm. We don't have to live in that. Yeah, and it takes a lot of faith, right? And that's where we turn our fears into into questions and have a conversation with God, you know, because I think if we all admit we all have fears, we all have worries, you know, and, you know, it all comes back to, uh, you know, this, this fear in us of 
not knowing what's ahead or what's going to happen. But here's the reality. If you think about all the things in your life, there's nothing you can predict right. other than the fact that one day you're going to die. So do we just live in fear our whole life? Like at what point are we able to just completely rely on Jesus and say, I'm just putting my total trust in you. It's very difficult. I don't know how to do it, but you're in charge. Yeah. That was the shift with the disciples, I think. Yeah, and the, and they didn't stop being themselves. If you look at Acts, Peter kept doing Peter-type things. Mm-hmm. So if you remember Peter with Jesus, sometimes he said the wrong thing, right? Sometimes he told Jesus how he should do things, you know, like, God forbid, Lord. or And he argued with Jesus. He argued with and Jesus. And then you see him arguing with St. Paul, like they're right. arguing over how to do things. Right. His personality was there. But what did change is that Peter was able to not let those qualities he had get in the way. So I'm thinking of the story of Cornelius, right? You have this Gentile person, and they were debating, you know, like, do we bring in Gentiles? Do they have to become Jews first? Like, all these things, right? And Peter was on the wrong side, and Paul called him out, right? But anyway, but so Peter has this dream about Cornelius ahead of time where he, in other words, the Spirit overcame Peter's shortcomings, yeah. but didn't take them away. Absolutely. And that's the thing. If if we live as confirmed people, as people of Pentecost, as people of Acts, we're the same people. We don't have different personalities, different faults, failures, shortcomings, whatever, but we let God overwhelm them mm. to accomplish his will anyway, mm. and that gives glory to God. God gets way more glory from overwhelming a weak person to do his will than a strong, awesome, amazing person doing his will. Mm. Right? Preach. So that's why he... And all of us should not strive to be awesome, amazing, well-put-together people. Right. Because that's not God's plan. Right. God's plan is to overwhelm us with his presence and with his power in spite of our shortcomings to accomplish great things in our life. And that's the ability just to say yet, yes, despite us. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, Lord, I don't have the capacity. I know, like, in my humanness, but I'm just going to say yes. Like, you, you do it. Like, I'm going to follow you here. You know, Mm -hmm. you give me humility when I need it. You give me, you know, trust when I need it. You give me faith when I need it. You give me mercy when I need it. You give me the ability to be humble when I need it. Because I know in my own state, in my own humanness, in my own faults, I'll screw it all up. Absolutely. Right? And that will never change. We have to come to terms with that. We will always be weak, flawed, sinful people. But when we have God, when we're focused on his presence, he overwhelms it. Right, he overcomes it. He, and it's and that's this, what it's this all about. Is, this is why I love the Book of Acts because this is exactly what's happening: is that God's using very normal people, broken, mm-hmm. human, uh, to do amazing things in the world. And, and and when I say that, it's not like they were amazing people. They just said yes to Jesus, and some of them just built a small church in the next little small town and preached in this small little part of the city, but each did their own part moving forward, doing what Jesus wanted in their own humanness, and God did amazing things through it, right? That's what began to happen. Imagine this, is if we all just said, yes, Lord, use me, you know, even in my own, you know, inabilities, just use me. I say yes to you. Like, that's what Acts teaches us is to say yes to Jesus and let him do the work. 
what would our world begin to look like? How would it turn, well, change? Well, I think one of the shifts that would need to happen is we need to stop praying for God to overwhelm other people and their faults and shortcomings and pray that he <laughs> overwhelms us. Lord, change that person. <laughs> right. <laughs> I like that. Like, we tend to be hyper-focused on the way other people are getting in the way. Mm-hmm. But it, the only project is for me to get out of the way. Like, that's it. That's the only one I'm in charge of. Yeah. <laughs> Man, you, you're preaching today. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> despite your... Uh, it is Easter time. <laughs> despite your imperfections. You That's have some right. nice one-liners today there, <laughs> there Adam. <laughs> All right. Speaking of one-liners, um, it's Paul and Adam talking Art of Living. We'll be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the health care problem. Are you paying too much for your health care cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show, Paul and Adam talking art of living in the nice sunny confines of the studio. Yes, I think it's still raining out there. <laughs> like when we talk rain, like people who aren't here, like in Louisiana, we could get four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten inches of rain, like in one of these downpours, and well, it's not yeah. fun. Yeah. You know? See, I don't know the inch measurement. I know the ditch measurement, like how full the ditches are, and then if it gets onto the road, like whoa. We're in we're in road territory today. Yeah, we're like whoa, whoa, whoa. That's bad. <laughs> Schools are closed, you know. Yeah, like all of them. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. So, you know, we just we have the lights on in here, yep. sun shining. It's warm. It's nice. It's great. It's fantastic. It's wonderful. It's good. It's good. <laughs> you know? Dude, speaking of fears, man. Um, do, do you have like okay? Give me like a like a practical fear, like a like a superficial fear in a sense of like something you're just afraid of like you know spiders and then like a emotional fear oh gosh okay well i think coming home to a burning house okay okay you got me there especially for like if i've been away for a while you know i have had those thoughts like what if we drive home and our house is just charred Right. Okay. So that's one that comes up. Okay. I like that. <laughs> okay. And I don't like it, but I mean, I um, get it. And then last year, in fact, I did some soul searching uh, about the fear question, and I realized I ha- I'm afraid to let people down and hmm. that, like, I tend to have a million plates spinning at once, so I'm afraid that, like, one plate would fall because I wasn't giving it enough attention, and then... Dis- Everyone involved disappoint people or negatively impact. Yeah, hmm. I'm afraid of not giving enough attention to a plate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. What about you? Well, I'm semi afraid of heights, which is funny. Snakes. So snakes on a plane would be really <laughs> that would be the worst. Were really bad for me. Like that would be like <laughs> I'd rather die. Uh, <laughs> um, and so so yeah, those um. And fear of um, emotion, like fear of the unknown for me, kind of, you know, so I, I'm more of a, you know, thinker, a little bit melancholic, a little bit like 
you know, I ponder a lot. So I can, what kind of unknown? I, I can outthink reality in a sense of like think too far mm-hmm. into the future. Mm-hmm. And when we do that, like there's certain things about setting goals and objectives and like mm-hmm. dreaming and visioning. And then there's a certain point of like, you know, worrying about the future and what's going to happen. And, you know, I can get trapped into that, mm-hmm. you know, and that can, you know, make me, you know, spin into fear basically. And to be able to just turn that fear into questions and prayer, like, like that's where really the only consolation that we find in desolation is the relationship with Jesus. Yeah. So, all right. So we're going to do a six pack of acts questions. <laughs> six, packs. Six, six packs. Six packs. Question. Beautifully introduced. <laughs> that Paul. was horrible. I love it. Yeah. I try. <laughs> I try to be punny. Try to be punny. But you're much better at being punny than I am. Well, it's not for everyone. Mm-hmm. All right. First question. All right. Question number one on acts. Um, so, as you read through the book of Acts, like, you know, going to Mass and whatever else, where do you feel the most inadequate? Like, oh, I am not like these people, but like in a motivating way. Like, I, I want to become more like, like this. What characteristic do you see in yourself that you want to really get that you see in that early church? I think for me, you know, what initially comes to mind and the, and the passage that, that comes out is um, the boldness to speak God's word to people and not be afraid of how it sits, what they think, or you know, are the result mm-hmm. to let God do what He get, wants to do. And the the scripture that comes to mind is when Peter and Paul are walking together, and there's a crippled person who asks them for money, and Peter says, "Silver and gold have I none. Rise and walk." That gets me. That just gets me because I think to myself. Would I be bold enough to just look at someone and in faith just just be bold enough to speak a word like that and not worry if it would actually happen? Have you ever or tried what they it? would think? I've thought about it. <laughs> I'm a big fat baby. So I like that's the that's one of the fears that I gotta work on, a spiritual fear, to be able to like really rely on Jesus and what to say to people in mm. that moment. So Well you have you have said like get up out of your funk in life and walk. Like you've called people. I have called people forward, to, but yeah. you know, oftentimes it's easier to speak a word like that in a big crowd or on a stage than it is one-on-one, right? Because mm-hmm. there's a lot more that could go wrong or vulnerability, you know? So mm-hmm. you can say, if anybody's out there, you're dealing with fear, move <laughs> through it. <laughs> then to walk up to somebody and be like, you're dealing with this right now. God says this, like that. That's crazy. And for Peter and Paul, when that happened, that so that scripture uh, gets to me. All right, so question number two. All right, question number two. So Paul writes all these letters back to these churches that he founded, and a lot of them just have chaos and problems and yeah. stuff, right? Yeah. So this kind of resonates with the work you do, helping to deal with the chaos and the problems in the He was the original consultant. <laughs> yeah, he was the original <laughs> consultant. Um so anyway, like what what have you kind of learned working with church communities that are trying to uh, improve themselves and things like that? Um, like what what do you think is the, the most needed thing for most churches right now to really kind of renew themselves and, and get back on track? That's a great question. I think the consolation I see in the early church is that they were struggling logistically, just like we often do. 
logistically, mm-hmm. you know, practically, who to send, where to send, how to how to set it up. But yet they were setting up a structure so that it could work, you know. And and so it's like okay, now we can we can outdo ourselves and overdo it uh, in a sense. But to answer your question directly, I think you know, in the Old Testament, you know, uh, without vision we perish. And I think oftentimes we don't we don't have a clear vision of where we're going and everyone's not on board with going there so as a, as a leader, as a church staff, as a community. Um, and so we just kind of do a bunch of things mediocre instead of really knowing what we're about and, and moving forward in that direction. So the church, if it doesn't do that, just sits around and does a lot of programs and things that don't really work and we feel like we're doing good things but we're not actually moving forward you know and what mm. i think you know the, the arguments saint paul was having is like ah, this is about this is about the gospel going out into the world and when we forget that that's when we're in trouble love so, it yeah so all right i'm Appreciate gonna throw a question at you really question number three. Oh, okay yeah yeah so you gave me two i'm gonna give you two okay <laughs> <laughs> all right okay Okay, so if you could, um, if you could, uh, if you could hand one of the early disciples a mood meal, who would you hand it to, and what would it be? Well, one of the mood meals, I think, um, I'm going to call it "Don't give a care" because mm. that's nicer. I like that than the actual mood meal. Um, I would give a don't give a care meal to St. Paul because this was part of his temperament. Like as a Pharisee, he was hardcore and he just didn't care. Like this is what it's going to be. Very choleric. And then he brought that into Christianity, Mm -hmm. but he made it a strength. Like he didn't, he didn't care what, can you imagine going to the Pope, not just the Pope, but like the Pope, the original, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) And saying, you're clearly wrong about something. Hmm. And he didn't care. (laughs) He didn't care. Yeah, he challenged him. Now, should he have done that? I don't know, but he did it, and it, it's it's part of Revelation now. It's in the book of Acts. I mean, and, like, and bold enough to go be shipwrecked numerous right? times and to go into care. places that needed the gospel or he didn't know anyone. Yeah, I mean, that boldness. So he, he doesn't give a care. And so I would give that meal to him, and I would, you know, with a smile on my face, because I think it's a good way that he turned God, that. God can use that. God can use that, yeah. Hmm. Like All right, that. so question number four for you. Um, and when you look at the book of Acts, what challenges you about it? You know, like when you get out of, okay, this isn't a myth or fairy tale, fable. Um, and I read this and I think about practically the church today. You work in a parish, you're in the diaconate, you're, I mean, you obviously do a lot of work, but what, what, do you, what is your take for then for now, bringing tradition into reality? I think the biggest challenge I see is that we've set up so many barriers to even exploring how we would live this today. Mm-hmm. And so to even get to the question in a real way within the church would take a lot of dissembling of those barriers. Practical example, in the early church, they shared all finances, right? We read about how um, there were two people that did not give to the church everything they had. They kept Come some property. Boom. And St. Peter calls them in, and they each die, one after the other, because <laughs> they lied about it. So it was obviously very important to the early church that all things were held in common, and that all needs were met for everyone in the church. Now, should we look exactly like that today? Probably not, 
but kind of, you know, like what, the thing is we're, we're not even set up to even explore that. Like to even bring that question in a serious way would take a lot of work to even bring it up. Cause right now it's just kind of theoretical, whatever. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's move on. And we can't just say, okay, seriously though, what, is, what happened? What did Jesus do in this community? How can that happen now today? So that's kind of the challenges I see is we, we have a lot of work to do to break down the barriers we've set up to renew ourselves as a church. And we all want renewal. I mean, what serious Catholic do you know right now that doesn't say, I'd love to see a, a renewed church, you know? Yeah. We all want it. So what's the problem then? There are barriers in the way. Yeah, there are a lot of barriers. We've almost become over overstructured in a, to the point where we can't make really good decisions to change our direction or pace or vision, you know? Right. And, and that's what we have to get back to in a lot of ways. We have to get back to. All right, question number four. Five. Five. Cinco. Cinco. Question So there are several people that get killed for preaching the gospel in Acts. Yeah. It happens. Or imprisoned. Mm-hmm. Or many number of, of bad things. So my question is, have you met someone in, in your travels and work in the church or whatever who has experienced that type of persecution? And what was it like kind of talking to them about it? Have you ever met anyone imprisoned or I thought you were going to say, have I ever met anyone who's died for their faith? <laughs> well, you, you could meet them before they die, <laughs> right? You know, they say that, I, and I don't, I don't know how true. I mean, I think there's a lot of, a lot of credibility to this that there's more Christian martyrs today than than there ever have been in any mm-hmm. time. I mean, you see like large numbers of people dying in churches, and you know, you know, in explosions and really hate and like it's just crazy and we have access to that we see it a lot more instead of getting word about it years later you know that someone died for their faith you know um i don't think we understand that persecution here you know we're not as motivated um because we have such freedom you Mm -hmm. know religious freedom but i do know people who have risked their lives to go to places that are really dangerous to preach the gospel and i have a friend who is a religious priest who has spent long amounts of time in China on, in the underground. And if he gets caught, he's in prison, um, maybe for life. And he shared stories with me. He's got to go undercover. He obviously can't dress as a priest. He, you know, he shaves. He looks like a normal business person. Um, and then you know, underground, like he's saying mass, preaching the gospel, bringing Bibles. To me, like... I, I don't know if I'd sleep at night. Like I would constantly be living in worry and fear and maybe cause I have a, you know, a lot more to worry about with family and whatnot, but his boldness, like hands down, like he doesn't even think twice about crossing the border. Like he doesn't mm-hmm. think twice about going there. Like he is so convicted to bring the gospel to China that, uh, he, he doesn't care the results. And here's the thing about being a witness of Jesus is that we can't care about the results because if we care about the results, we won't do it. So if we care about dying or being, um, picked on or, you know, even, you know, ostracized or whatever the case may be, whatever you could think about, if we think about the result, we won't do what Jesus is asking. And he doesn't. And I, hands down appreciate his boldness wow yeah pretty neat let's get him on the show if we can <laughs> see if we can get him here he doesn't have a phone huh yeah like this is like how incognito well, how'd you meet is. him 
I've been knowing him for a long time. Yeah. Hmm. He has an email. I can find him. Nice. Yeah. So anyway, all right, question number six of the six-pack of Axe questions. Six packs. <laughs> six packs. <laughs> if you could have uh, one gift of from the book of Acts that the, the disciples had, what would it be? Hmm, that's a tough one. Yeah. I would say it'd be pretty neat to have the gift of healing to accompany the preaching. The way like the way yeah. they did it. Yeah, it's yeah. like I'm gonna go preach the gospel, and just so you know that this is real, this is legit, I'm gonna heal this guy right here. Hmm. So I'd, that'd be pretty neat, especially kind of considering uh today's culture, you know? Yeah. To be able to walk into Walmart. Walmart, start preaching the gospel, and everybody be like, "What are you doing? Who wants a mood meal?" <laughs> I'd say, "Well, look, you know, you person with a broken arm, no longer broken. Boom. So y'all remember that as you go about your day. Goodbye. That's good. I'd like healing. Yeah. Can I add a six point five? Yeah. What would you pick? I would pick the gift of discernment." Mm-hmm. And I read the book of Acts. There's a lot of things like I like, you know, the healing, the preaching, the teaching. Those are all gifts. Mm-hmm. Um, but the ability to discern, like, Lord, where do you want us to go? Where do you want us to set up a church? Where do you want so and so to go and preach two by two? Like, what town? Like, how they discerned and prayed. How do you want us to set up? How do you want us to structure? How do you want us to fight this out so we get the good out of it? And I just would love to be a part of like the early discernment. You know, and learning the art of discerning and bring that tradition into reality today. Um, and so the g- discernment's a gift. You know, mm-hmm. it's something we practice, just like every gift, but it's a it is a unique gift to be able to to discern and hear God, yeah. you know, and what he's saying. Well and again, a lot of our structures don't support that currently. They so don't like- discern. So we need to a lot of a lot of the church doesn't discern. They just mm-hmm. make a decision or a, a business. This is what a business would do, or you know, this is a good structure or a policy. But how often do you meet people and church that discern what God wants, right? Mm-hmm. Because they're afraid. They don't know how. And God might say something that they don't agree with. <laughs> Because that's been known to happen. It's been known to happen. And so then we might have to do what God says instead of what we want, mm. right? And I think at the end of the day, the gift of discernment is, you know, I just want to do what God wants because it, that's where we're ultimately going to find the greatest end in, in mind mm-hmm. for, for ourselves, you know? So turn our mood into dancing. Sounds like we need to get our acts together. We do need to get our acts together. And I think the mood meal that we're going to do today is... <laughs> I don't know. I think it's I think it's 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 the boldness meal. Like we, the bold meal. The bold meal. You know, the book of Acts is about the bold meal, you it's know. The bold meal. So, it's got kick to it. It's spicy. <laughs> it does. So anyway, great show, man. Uh great conversation. Uh, thanks to all you guys who are listening. You can find it on the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, uh SoundCloud, share it. Uh you could support the show discovertheartofliving.com. And uh, keep us going in the work that we're doing. Um, you can check out the website. Check out all the stuff we're doing for married folk and uh, preaching and teaching. 
and um, mentoring, consulting. So, um, yeah, man. So, great show. Thanks to Solidarity for all their support and all our sponsors here at Kel FT Radio. Um, talk to you guys next week. God bless.